Ah, welcome. Please, step right this way. How about a little music to set the mood? Welcome to the edge of reality. The realm of the paranormal. The unexplained. The strange. The unusual. Those things that go bump in the night. I am your host, the Southern Spectre. I hope you boys and ghouls are ready for a dead time story. <laughs> Please, pull up a chair, settle in. And cozy up for the Southern Spectre podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, back to the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and joined with me today is my co-host, Lexi. Lexi, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, what'd you get up to this weekend? Anything spooky? Anything fun? No, a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. I put off all my, yeah, put off all my weekend chores so that I could sit around and watch spooky YouTube videos and finish Midnight Mass on YouTube. I mean, on there Netflix. That's right. Um, and how'd you enjoy that ending? I liked it. It turned into something that I completely wasn't expecting, um, but I really enjoyed it, and I've been recommending it to a lot of people. Well, that's good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you got some enjoyment out of it because I did too. Uh, I really enjoyed that whole show. There was a lot of great dialogue in that show, uh, not to mention some very uh, just overall great. Uh, cinematography, just the look of the entire series. It just looked great. Um, and I know, I think it's episode two. Uh, there's a, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but there's a specific event that happens out on the beach uh, where a crowd gathers out on the beach where something is actually happening. And there's like this one continuous shot where they're following certain people around and it's just, it's gorgeous. There's a, I will say this much. There's a number of seagulls all along the beach. If you know what scene I'm talking about, talking mm -hmm. about, um, but there, even the seagulls were CGI, but unless you were actually looking for it, you would never have guessed that they were that that's how flawless it was. It was really great. Wow. I wouldn't have known they were CGI. You told me something I didn't know. Yeah. If you pay close attention to them, you can, you can see that they're kind of, have very robotic motions and they're uh, oh, wow. they're not too fluid, I guess you could say. But they're, I mean, they're really well done nonetheless. Wow. And I think that show, that, like you said, they did a really great job on it. Um, the cinematography and everything and the slow burn of the first, I would say, three and a half, four episodes really paid off. They were yes. really worth it was really worth the slow burn. Oh, I agree. Uh, there was a lot of things that. Uh, occurred 
during the first, not that it was a very long show. I think it's only what, six or seven episodes. I think seven. Um, but it, it's not, it's not overkill. It's very well done. It's very well put together. It's a very well told story. And, uh, I really enjoyed it for what it was. And, uh, I love the little, like we, like we talked about earlier, I really love the twist on the whole subject matter of what it's about and the way they kind of turned it on its head. It's very good. Yeah. It turned into, like I said, something that I completely didn't expect. You get into the show, think it's going to be one genre and then it turns into another one and it kind of turns into another one, <laughs> but yeah, yep. it's definitely worth a watch. I really recommend it. Yes. Uh, like I said, very thought, very well thought out, very well put together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are in the midst of, uh, we're in the middle of October almost. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of things happening, you know, just so much going on right now. I, I know at least at our house, uh, I have, me and the wife spent a uh, majority of this weekend uh, kind of finishing up decoration and stuff for Halloween. Uh, we have a lot going on. Um, and that's one good thing about it I, I, I we always every year we always try to add a little bit more to our decoration mm-hmm. and um so right now we have a we added a werewolf and a ghost oh, wow. uh, outside in the yard so um <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got a uh, go wrong got with a, that that's right we got a number of they look really well but we have a number of pay, paper bats that are flying out of our <laughs> flying out of our fireplace uh nice yeah, it looks really cool. So um, that TikTok video that you posted, that's your house. <laughs> yes, it is. That's awesome. Everybody, go check out the Southern Spectre TikTok and watch that video. It's amazing. Yep. That is Those that is, decorations are fantastic. I'm jealous. Yes. I, well, I'm glad you found me. How about that? I didn't even know. I did. I finally have a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I have is, joined uh, the land of the TikTok. Well, good for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that that's crazy. Um, I love the music that I put with it, which was a little bit of Vincent mm-hmm. Price. Um, I've always been a fan of his, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing it. That little video there, it was um, it was something else. I, I enjoyed. I would. We were just in a very Halloweenish type of mood, I guess you know. And me and the wife had spent some time. Uh, you know, trying to make things up and trying to put things together. And uh, it, it just all came. She's very mm. good at decorating. And uh, I'm just good at standing around and looking like I'm doing something. And <laughs> she tells you where to yelled at. where to put the decorations and you place them and good team. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, mm. well, if I'm over here, she can't see me. So if I, if I stay out of her way, I won't get yelled at. So, yeah. But well, I was yes. really impressed. Y'all did an awesome job. Well, thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Yes, she does an awesome job with everything. And um, I can't wait. Like I said, we, we always try to add a little bit more. We're not quite done with it yet. Mm-hmm. But that was just a little bit, especially of our interior that we've uh, that we've done. And um, if you notice at the beginning of that video, there is a welcome foolish mortals uh it's like an oval picture frame that my wife created. I think it was last year. It might have been mm-hmm. earlier this this year. Um, 
but yes, which comes from the Disney Haunted Mansion. And like we mentioned last show, um, Haunted Mansion. The, Muppet, the Muppets Haunted Mansion uh, actually debuted on Disney last Friday, and I sat down and watched it. I was... Okay, well, I know last time you were talking about watching it, you were excited. <laughs> you were you were jonesing for it. Did it live up to your expectations? Um, different aspects of it did. I'll say that. Uh, you know, anybody mm-hmm. who's ever watched the Muppets, they are a musical bunch. Uh, and uh, I wasn't too crazy about some of the songs in there, but the cameos that were in the in the in the show, which is it's less than an hour long. Uh, but the, the cameos that were in the show were well thought out, very well done. Um, I like the storyline to it. Uh, and it's funny. I got to jump on this little train here before I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. it's funny because if you've listened to my Dark Disney uh, episode, I kind of talk about the Haunted Mansion in depth about what is actually going on and... Um, the way things play out in the in the ride in the attraction if you pay mm-hmm. attention and one of those things is is that you are jumping out of the window uh, almost in an attempt to flee or possibly uh end your own life i guess you could say oh, suicide wow. yeah it's very dark uh but it's it's funny because there were certain elements of what I had spoke about in that that were actually in this show. Um, and it was it was funny. And I was like, wow, they're doing what I talked about or, or this is occurring or whatever. But uh, it's it's a very well laid out. There's a lot of homages to the attraction itself, which I thoroughly enjoyed and absolutely just adored. Uh, it was it was great. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that is awesome. It, it, what's that? I just said that is awesome. I'm telling you, it was. It was. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed it overall. Um, I really, at one point, I tried to enjoy the Muppets, and some of them were great. But on the same hand, I was like, you know, you're not living up to my expectation right mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm highly disappointed in you. <laughs> Yeah, so I really enjoyed the Muppets. Uh, like I said, there were some things, some aspects about it that uh, I wasn't too crazy about, but I really enjoyed the show overall. And I, I suggest, you know, if you are a fan of the Muppets or the Haunted Mansion, go check it out. Well, cool. Where can we find the Muppets Halloween special? That is uh, on Disney Plus right now. Disney Plus, okay. Disney Plus. Um, so... Let's see here. Before I forget, um, those of you listening at home, uh, we're going to start doing something here. Uh, First of all, I'll tell you about it. Uh, But you should, I'm going to say should because I'm not 100% on this, but me and Lexi are going to start asking questions to you, the audience. And so you, the audience, can kind of decide on where we take our show. And what I mean by that is we're going to start leaving polls and questions at the end of each episode. Pardon me. (coughs) And so what that means is that if you go and answer those polls or those questions, um, it'll it'll be kind of audience driven on which way on what stories we tell next and what we talk about 
uh, next going forward. So if you'd like to participate in that, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, just all you have to do is when you click on the episode, if you pull up the show notes below, you should scroll down far enough below it and you should see those polls and those questions. And it's going to be either, it's not going to be both at once, but it should either be a poll or a question. So, you know, we may put up one week that, what would you like for us to talk about next? Ghosts or vampires? Uh, you know, just example. Uh, and then, of course, we may ask for your own input. You know, whatever, it, it could be fill in the blanks or whatever you would like to uh, type in there, feel free to do so. Uh, also, if you feel compelled enough to leave us a voicemail message, you can be heard right here on the show. So if you head to anchor.fm forward slash Southern Spectre, you can actually leave us a voicemail uh, message right there and we'll play it on the show. Uh, also, don't forget to follow us along on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash uh, the Southern Spectre, as well as Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast. Uh, any Southern Spectre merchandise you may be compelled to purchase, uh, aka a t shirt, uh, then head to storefrontier.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast. And like Lexi mentioned earlier, don't forget to follow us on uh, TikTok at the Southern Spectre. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at now. And Lexi, I'm going to, I'm going to hand you the reins to, uh, to our doom buggy here and, uh, <laughs> be prepared and, uh, to be scared. Oh my goodness. Very threatening. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> let's see what you have brought for us today, because ladies and gentlemen, we are entering into our second episode of a grab bag of sorts. Like I mentioned last week. Uh, so it's it's kind of you know it's the end of the night you you you've went out you've worked so hard you've dressed up your makeup and your eyeliner is just is just peeling off it's it's sweat it's coming down it's it's not a good look for you but you've made your way home you've made your way around the neighborhood your your little orange bag of trick or treating goodies is just about to overflow and you don't know which piece of candy to eat first. You just take a hand and you reach deep down inside and whatever you pull out, that's what you get. And this is our Halloween episode number two, our trick-or-treat grab bag. So, Lexi, what are you pulling out the bag for us tonight? All right. Well, I don't really even know how to classify the story I'm going to share with you. Is it a tale of the paranormal? Is it a conspiracy theory? Is it an urban legend? It's hard to say. This is the story of the mystery of the SS Orang Madan. In June 1947, an American ship named the Silver Star was traveling the waters in the Straits of Malacca near the Indonesian island of Sumatra. Conditions were calm and clear when the Silver Star picked up a telegraph distress signal from a nearby Dutch merchant ship called the SS Orang Madan. The Morse code transmission read, quote, SOS from Orang Madan, we float. All officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in the chart room and on the bridge, possibly whole crew dead, end quote. A few short and scattered undecipherable transmissions came through just after that, followed by the final transmission received from the SS Orang Madan, which simply stated, quote, 
I die, end quote. Now, several ships in the area actually picked up the transmission signals from the Orang Madan, but it was the Silver Star, the American ship that was closest, and they decided to change their course in an attempt to reach the distressed vessel. When the Silver Star finally located the Orang Madan, it appeared to be undamaged, but they were unable to make any contact with anyone on board. Siren calls and megaphone communications went unanswered, and it was then that the crew of the Silver Star chose to board the Orang Madan. The Silver Star crew quickly realized that things were terribly amiss on board the eerily silent Orang Madan. Cold drafts swept throughout the ship, even though temperatures outside that day were in excess of 100 degrees. Soon, they were unfortunately greeted with several dead bodies. Even more chilling was the fact that these men did not appear to have passed away peacefully. All of the dead men were found contorted into horrific expressions of fear and anguish, their arms stretched out, their mouths wide open as if in mid-scream, their eyes bulging. However, the bodies appeared to show no outward signs of injury, no blood, no burns, nothing to indicate what terrible fate had befallen these men. Just as the telegraph operator had previously indicated, bodies were located all over the ship, the chart room, the bridge, the wheelhouse. The telegraph operator himself was found slumped over dead at his post. Even the ship's dog apparently met the same fate as the rest of the doomed crew. Once the crew of the Silver Star determined there were no survivors to be found on board the Orang Madan, the Silver Star's captain decided to have his men disembark the ship and tow it back to port. No sooner had the crew attached a tow line between the two boats when smoke began to billow out from the Orang Madan. The Silver Star crew quickly cut the tow line, and within moments, the Orang Madan was engulfed in flames, followed by a massive explosion, the force of which lifted the ship completely out of the water then crashed back down and sank into the depths of the sea. So what happened to the ship and its crew? No wreckage or debris from the tragedy of the SS Rangmadon has ever been found. In fact, nothing definitive has ever been found to even confirm that the Rangmadon existed at all. In the years since this supposedly happened, there have been no public interviews ever conducted with the crew of the Silver Star. No names of witnesses have ever been released. And like I mentioned, no debris or wreckage have ever been located. And apparently, there are no records or mention of the SS Rangmadan in the Lloyd Shipping Register and no write-up on the wreck in the very comprehensive Dictionary of Disaster at Sea or any other pertinent sources. A true ghost ship, if you will. Possible reasons for this have been speculated, such as the ship may have possibly been registered in Sumatra. Uh, Orang Madan actually translates to Man from Madan and Madan is a Sumatran island, or that the ship was kept under the radar, so to speak, because it may have been transporting illegal contraband or engaged in trafficking op operations. And the further I tried to research into this case, the rabbit hole just got deeper and deeper. I found multiple inconsistencies in source material, uh, differences in timelines, and I think that's probably been the case um, of just about anyone who's tried to solve the mystery of the Orang Madan. Several theories have been offered up in the past 70 plus years regarding this incident. Was the ship transporting dangerous cargo? Explosives, perhaps? Poisons? Was the crew killed by inhaling noxious gases? Were there pirates involved? Aliens? Ghosts? Or is the whole story of the SS Orang Madan just a fascinating, well-crafted hoax? We may never know. You be the judge. What are your thoughts? Well done. <laughs> well Thanks. done. Well told. Uh, 
I love the story. I've never actually heard of that one myself. Um, okay, I thought you would have. I thought you would have known this one very well. Um, to be honest, I feel I I say I've never heard it, but something somewhere in my the back of my head tells me I may have read it, but the names are different. Um, right. So maybe I actually did hear about this because it's it is it's very strange. Uh, so I'm gonna play uh, chunk. Uh, I'm gonna play my chunk from the Goonies card here, but like you asked the question there at the end of the story, but you know how did how did the story get out if there's no record of anything? Exactly. You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, and you know. Once again, for everybody to uh, kind of be, you know, just hushed and tight-lipped about everything, it kind of makes you wonder. Right. Now, I did find some records where there were news articles and some letters written um, late 40s, early 50s regarding this. But even those kind of, it almost made it seem like it was an urban legend even at that time. Like it wasn't, there were no names mentioned of the crew members of the Silver Star. You know, no families have ever come out and said, I was a family member of someone, a crew member on the Orang Madan either. Um, you know, the Sumatran government never said anything. It's just, like I said, the story, the more you look into it, the rabbit hole gets deeper and it kind right. of falls apart a little bit. Um, another thing that I found, like I'd heard this story a long time ago about the Orang Madan. But another thing that I found pretty recently was that, um, you know, the original story that I read and that you read pretty much everywhere says that it happened in either June 47, maybe even as early as 46. But I saw something else that said that it could have happened as early as 1939. Um, mm -hmm. And it was called something different. The ship was supposedly called something different, but the story was very similar. So, um, like I said, is it an urban legend? Is it real and just covered up? I don't know. Uh, hmm. But it's it's worth a look into. Yeah, uh, that's that's weird. It's strange. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain as to what would cause the crew to all, of course, perish. But on the same hand, to there's no blood. I mean, so it's almost like they all died of fright. Or yeah. uh, they all had a heart way, attack, you know. Yeah, that's the way they kind of make it out to seem um, that they were all, you know, contorted and like their arms reached out like they were trying to defend themselves and whatnot. Um, you know, some people talk in the message boards and whatever. Was it cyanide? Was it carbon monoxide poisoning? Whatever. But a lot of people seem to think that they wouldn't have died in that state. They wouldn't have all seemed so scared, so, you know, defensive. Right. Um, some of the things I read, even the dog was found dead, um, you know, snarling and whatever. So I don't know. Um, I'm hmm. sure that if it happened, there's an explanation for it. And knowing me, I think there had to be a logical explanation, but why, why isn't this more well-known? If it really happened, why isn't it more well-known, mm -hmm. um, 70 plus years later, why don't we know what happened? I agree. Um, but like you said, depends on uh, what what was on what was in their cargo. Uh, what right. were they hauling? What uh, were they up to? Something illegal, 
Um, but yeah, I'm kind of on board with you. Uh, but on the same hand, is that uh, is that the fact that the story? Because the story, like I said earlier, you know, if it's based on actual fact, uh, just because there's no documentation of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It could be very well shoddy uh, record keeping, or it could be the fact that um, all the records were on board the ship. I don't <laughs> don't know. Um, True. But it, it, it's very <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, now, one thing you mentioned was like the cyanide poisoning or something like that. But what if it's one of their own crew? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, if there's no documentation of who was on board um, or what they were carrying, then you have no documentation of a headcount or how many people should be there. Okay. And if you did, you could c- compare. Was anybody missing? Um, because it, it, it's it's kind of kind of odd but uh yeah it's it's strange uh very strange very very strange um that's nightmare inducing it really is and it's i don't know it grabbed me the first time i heard it several years ago and i had to look into it because after hearing it i thought surely this has to be a thing there has to be you know records on this um it's probably just you know i'm not necessarily into um world war ii history or post-World War II history. So I thought, you know, maybe I just never read about it, never came across anything about it. So I really started looking it up and you just do kind of keep hitting a wall with the research. Um, You Mm -hmm. never find any definitive sources, um, no real names, no um, actual dates. Um, So yeah, it's just, do I want it to be true? Not really, because that's super creepy. Um, Who knows? Who knows? Hmm. And didn't you say uh, the name of the rescue boat was the USS Silver Star? The Silver Star. Yes, and it was supposedly an American ship. I never saw whether it was a military ship or a merchant ship, you know, what it was, uh, but it was referred to as the Silver Star. And apparently there aren't really even any records regarding the American ship, the Silver Star, either. So that's another thing that kind of falls apart. Um, but then there are some other names mentioned. No, the ship wasn't the Silver Star. It was this other ship. So again, it you just keep going around in circles. Um, you know, kind of right back up where you started with no real answers as to what happened. Right. Now, it's funny because when I just went to Google here and I typed in USS Silver Star, it comes up Orang Madan. Um, <laughs> right. so that, that's weird um, because there is... A, another um, there is another <laughs> a conspiracy so to speak that uh, that I had actually I had planned on doing at one point I even think I actually uh, read it out at one point like I had started writing the story um, but I was trying to think of the name of the, the ship because there was two ships involved and if I tell you one of them, um, or if I, yeah, if I tell you one in specifically, you'll know where I'm heading with this, and I don't want to ruin <laughs> anything uh, for future episodes. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I know which one you're talking about. But. Okay, never mind. This was okay. Okay, I'm getting. See, I'm getting confused. You said Silver Star, but I was thinking what I what I was thinking was White Star. 
So, yeah, we're oh, good. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that would be a connection. Now, that would be a big right. connection. Right. And that's a whole other, that's a whole episode, that's a whole season of stuff if we get into the White Star stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then you may you may know uh, where I was actually taking that then. Right. But, yeah, I All think right. you should uh, bring that one up sometime. That's good. Uh, Yeah. That that one is most definitely a good one. It's almost it's very compelling, uh, very oh, yeah. compelling indeed. Uh, so, but anyway, let's uh, move on forward. Well, let me ask you that before we go any further, what do you think mm-hmm. caused the deaths of so many people? And to be dead like that with a scared look on your face. Mm-hmm. First thought. And as much as I don't want it to be this, I think it was a hoax. You know, I want stories like some of these stories like this to be true just because it's unexplained, it's creepy, whatever. I feel like it probably is a hoax or a lot of stories put together to make this story. You know, some stuff may be true and may have happened in on some ship somewhere at some point in time. And they mash all these stories together to get this. But if it is true, let's just say it happened the way they said it happened. I would think possibly, um, you know, the the inhale, the noxious gases, whatever. Now, why, whether they would die like that? I don't know. I don't know enough about poisoning um, to really say. But if I had to guess, it was something along those lines. You know, what if they were hauling opium and it was, you know, it had a small fire get out. <laughs> I'm just I would speculating. Think, yeah. Well, if they were hauling opium. I think they might be in a little bit better mood. You're probably right. You still with me? Yeah, it cut out a Yeah, that's most definitely a very odd story. And I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, it would be very... Uh, it would be good on our part if this story was was real uh, into the fact that it does produce, you know, something unexplained and uh, something that science just science just can't very easily explain away, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with you. Uh, I immediately thought, uh, you know, sea creature. 20,000 right. leagues under the sea. Uh, but for them to have no missing body parts or uh, sure. there's no blood anywhere or anything like yeah. that, there's no telling. Uh, so who knows? Maybe one who day knows? we'll find the answer. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day we'll find out if this was even real. Exactly. So. It's been at least 70 years and we still don't know. So I'm I'm not holding my breath, but we'll see. That's right. Give it 100 and then we'll, we'll revisit this. <laughs> yes. I don't know if I'll be around then. <laughs> All right, Lexi, what's your next trick or treat that you have to pull out or ha- out the bag for us? All right. Story number two. Um, I had first heard this story on an Australian TV program called The Extraordinary. Are you familiar with that show? You catch Australian TV? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been a fan of Australian programming <laughs> since the 90s. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember a a single Australian show that I've ever watched. Well, okay. I first heard this story on an Australian TV program called The Extraordinary by way of YouTube. I got you. Now you're making sense. Okay. 
Um, but it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was first on the air, and I had to, you know, research this and find out more about this show. It was first on the air from about 93 to 96, and it featured supposedly real-life stories about the paranormal. And I'd never seen the show before or heard of it before I found this particular clip that I'm about to tell you about on YouTube a couple years ago. It kind of reminds me, the show, The Extraordinary, kind of reminds me of a cross between Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings. Did you ever watch Sightings? Sightings? Um, mm -hmm. No, but who was the host of that? Oh, gosh. I don't remember the name, but it was kind of, they presented it in sort of a news format. Mm -hmm. And they told stories about the paranormal. They did, like, I promise you 90% of their shows were about crop circles, and that lost me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. No interest in crop circles. I'm sorry. Not my jam. 90% of their stuff is crop circles. But they also did some really cool um, haunted stuff, different different stuff, you know. And so right. a lot of it was paranormal. Again, mostly crop circles. But um, do you remember that story about, or I guess the whole town really, Atchison, Kansas, the Sally House? Uh, is that the demon house? Uh, I don't know if it's the demon house. It's a supposedly haunted. They thought it was by this little girl named Sally, but turns out it, it wasn't really Sally, and she scratched the man and stuff. It seems like I have heard of this home. Uh, now, when I said demon house, that is not to be confused with Zach Baggins' demon house. Um, right. But uh, I have heard others refer to it. Yeah, I'm almost 100% this is the, the house I'm referring, that I'm thinking about, so. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Sightings did, I think, probably a one or, probably a two-part special on that house back in the 90s. I think mm -hmm. it came on Sci-Fi Network. Anyway, this show, The Extraordinary, kind of reminds me of a cross between Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings. So, okay. in a 1993 episode of The Extraordinary, actor Telly Savalas recounted an experience he'd had back in the 1950s in New York. Now, Telly Savalas was a popular actor in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He starred on a TV show called Kojak. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Kojak. And he was in several other TV shows and movies. And he tells the interviewer that, again, this was back in the 50s in New York, that he had just dropped off his date late at night, and he was headed back home to Long Island when his car ran out of gas. And so he walked by to a nearby um, White Castle restaurant, and he asked if there was a gas station open anywhere near there. And he was given directions to a gas station as he left the restaurant on foot and began walking toward a wooded area he heard a high-pitched voice that said i'll give you a ride he turned around to see a man in a cadillac wearing a white suit he didn't hear the car pull up or anything he just heard the guy offering him a ride so telly thanks the man and he gets in the car he tells the man he needs to go to a gas station the driver takes off toward the gas station and they make some small talk along the way and when they arrive at the gas station the man offers telly money and he says in that high-pitched voice, I'll give you a dollar. Telly hadn't told him that he actually didn't have any cash on him. So he took the man up on his offer and the man paid for the gas and the can. And Telly told the driver that he was terribly embarrassed about this and he would happily pay him back. And he asked, for the, or he asked the man for his contact information so he could mail him the money. And the driver tells Telly then that he'll take him from the station back to his car to put the gas in, which Telly thought was very kind. And as they're driving down the road the man randomly brings up that he knows a certain person. And this person, Telly doesn't ever give the name. I'm not sure why, but he never gives the name, is a professional baseball player. They weren't dis even discussing baseball at this time, but the driver said to Telly that he knew him and that he was, quote, 
a utility infielder for the Boston Red Sox. Telly thought it was a little odd that the driver randomly mentioned this guy in the spookiest voice he'd ever heard. In his words, they get back to the car, to Telly's car, and they put the gas in. The driver helps him get the car started. And Telly thanks the man very much for his kindness, and they part ways. The next day, Telly goes about his usual routine. He goes to work, gets off in the afternoon, opens the evening paper, and sees a headline about a young baseball player that had just died of, at that point, unknown mysterious circumstances. The same ball player that the driver in the Cadillac had mentioned just the night before in that spooky voice of his. Now, Telly chalked it up to just coincidence, a strange, rather frightening coincidence, but a coincidence nonetheless. He then remembers the piece of paper where the driver had written his phone number down and signed his name, James Cullen, and Telly decides to call him up and get his mailing address so he can send him back the money that he borrowed the night before for the gas. So Telly calls the number on the paper, and the person on the other end answers, Jimmy's bar. Telly asks for Mr. Cullen. The man who answered acted confused, and then he passed the phone off to someone else. A woman then answers and asks who's calling. Telly again asks for Mr. Cullen. The woman says, he's not here. Telly asks the woman, well, when does she expect him to be in? She asks, who is this? He explains to the woman that he was with Mr. Cullen the night before and that this was the number that was given to him to reach him. The woman then kind of cusses him out and tells him she doesn't know what he's talking about. She tells him, Mr. Cullen is my husband and he's been dead for two years and hangs up. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Telly goes on to tell the interviewer that he did eventually make contact with the woman, Mrs. Cullen. Again, she agreed to come down to New York from Boston and meet with him. Mm. Telly described to her the clothes the driver was wearing the night he picked him up in his Cadillac. Mrs. Cullen tells him those clothes, the white suit, were the clothes he was buried in. Her husband, James oh Cullen. Word. The handwriting on the piece of paper that the driver gave Telly was an identical match to the handwriting on a letter that Mrs. Cullen brought with her that James had written to her several years before when he was in the Army. And another thing... Uh. Telly made mention to Mrs. Cullen about James having a very high-pitched, almost feminine-sounding voice. Mrs. Cullen told him that, no, James had a very deep voice, much like Telly's. She did tell him, though, that James died by suicide. He shot himself in the throat, right through the voice box. The high-pitched voice now made a little more sense. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. And in this clip of The Extraordinary, um, I'm going to have to send it to you because the... They don't have very many effects in it, very few mm-hmm. sound effects or whatever, but the sound effects they have make it the creepiest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's just super, super spooky. And Telly Savalas is a really good storyteller. I did, I'd never really seen much of his stuff. I knew who he was. I'd heard the name. But I'd never really seen much of his stuff until I saw this clip on YouTube. Um, so I now consider myself a Telly Savalas fan. But anyway, um, <laughs> Telly originally stopped his story there, but a little while later, and after some prompting from the interviewer, he continued and went on to detail another experience he had several years after the first one. By this point, he had moved to, and he was working in California. One early morning, he was out golfing with some friends. As Telly was lining up to take a shot, he hears a voice from a far distance away atop a hill call his name. Telly? Telly turned toward the hill and trembled as he immediately recognized the person as the white suit-wearing, Cadillac-driving, high-pitched-voiced dead man, James Cullen, that he had accepted a ride from several years prior in New York. 
The voice went on to pose the question to Telly, Did you hear what happened in Dallas? The other men that were golfing with Telly could hear a faint voice in the distance, but they didn't see anyone, and they couldn't make out what was said, and seemingly as soon as the man appeared, he vanished. No one thought much of this incident other than Telly, but he and the other gentleman went on and they finished the several holes remaining of their, their golf game. So they decide to take a lunch and they go into the clubhouse. As their food arrives, a bulletin breaks in on the television in the clubhouse dining room. The president has just been shot in Dallas, Texas. I don't think I mentioned before that this round of golf was played on the morning of November 22nd, 1963, the day President Kennedy was assassinated in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. Telly goes on to tell the interviewer that he wishes this were the end of the story, the end of his eerie occurrences with James Cullen. However, it wasn't. But he refused to ever share the rest of the story with anyone. Telly Savalas passed away not long after this interview was filmed at the age of 70. Oh, wow. That is, that is nuts. Had you heard that one? Never. That is, that is wild. That is beyond anything I could ever think of. Uh, mm-hmm. That just <laughs> blows my mind. Um, yeah, I now, definitely. This Telly Savalas, I'm just kind of curious. What did he have that James Cullen uh, was kind of drawn to almost because it seems like he always kind of sought him out. And apparently there's more to the story because he refused to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get online and kind of look that up, some people speculate, oh, did he tell him who the true assassin of John Kennedy was or whatever? Ah. Um, But who knows? Um, and for some reason, he never uh, went on to explain what happened, the rest of that situation. And he never actually came out and said the name of the ball player either, which I thought was weird. Um, if you do just a little bit of research online, kind of in that time period, you find that it was most likely a baseball player by the name of Harry Aganis. And I probably said the name wrong. Um, okay. He was a utility infielder for the Boston Red Sox, and he died at the age of, I think, 26 of a pulmonary embolism. So wow. don't know why he didn't bring up the name. Anyway, um, that's what the interwebs seem to indicate that it was that particular guy. Right. Yeah, that is, that is nuts. I have no, I have never heard that before. That is, that's crazy though. Um, very interesting story all the way around. Um, and for him to know things like that, that's, yeah, that's disturbing. But why, why share them? These things that, you know, Telly Savalas, he didn't know Harry Aganis. He didn't know personally the president. Um, It just seemed a little odd that this guy was seemingly, and apparently, I don't know if I mentioned this or whatever, but the golf game, when he first saw the guy on the hill, um, this was early in the morning before um, the news bulletins even broke or any of that. Right. Um, When he's asked, did you hear what happened in Dallas? Well, at that point, something had either just happened in Dallas or it hadn't happened yet. Same with the ball player. Was the guy already dead um, or was he about to die? That's what's kind of creepy. Um, I don't know if, you know, he happened to know before it hit the news or did he know before it happened? And if so, why tell this random guy? I agree. That's, uh, yeah, like, what what was he going to do about it? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what did he expect I, I mean, him to do? 
Exactly. You know what? You know why are you? Why do you keep bringing me this information? Because I have no idea what you want from me. Um, yeah. But it seems like it, you know that this this spirit or this uh, this former person would have laid out better plans for for him to follow because like like what we're discussing now it just seems like he would have you know all right I'm going to tell you you know a number of things over the you know next few years and this is what I need you to do with it you know because yeah. who knows that there's no telling uh, yeah. that's very that's very strange and the fact that the part about you know he shot himself in the throat and now he oh, talks that way uh, that part, like I said, I'm going to send you the link to the video or you can look it up. It's just look up anywhere. Telly Savala's ghost story. Apparently okay. he told it on this show. I think uh, he even talked about it a long time ago on the tonight show. So, I mean, he wasn't shy about telling the story, but he, again, he never finished the story about what happened after the president was killed. Um, right. And I don't think he ever gave the name of the ball player. But anyway, uh, look it up. It's really interesting in the video, the clip of his interview with that Australian TV show mm-hmm. where they put in the sound effects and everything. Spooky, spooky, <laughs> spooky, spooky. Um, and this story, like it kind of reminds me a little bit of Vanishing Hitchhiker story. You know, I think right. every little town has a Vanishing Hitchhiker story, except this one is the Vanishing Driver. A little different. Never heard one like that. That is interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, that is most definitely different. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That's very good. good. Work. I'm glad. Um, well, I'm going to in- interject here something. Um, th- this is something I'm going to put my own little story in here. And, and I told mm-hmm. you, I mentioned this earlier to you. Uh, this is an article. Now, this is a little dated. I'll tell you that okay. much. But this is an article back from October 29th of last year. Uh, now, it may be what I'm about to say, the name I'm about to say, maybe it rings a bell for you, but Russ McCamey is, is the name. Uh, okay. Now, if that name does not sound familiar, uh, he is the owner, I think the creator and the, call him the mastermind behind what is known as McCamey Manor. He's known for one thing and one thing only, which is scaring the hell out of anyone who visits McCamey Manor. Now, I have actually done my own personal research on this um, because I was kind of curious as to what exactly goes on. Because he has offered ever since the beginning, uh, he has opened this. He has offered $20,000 on the table to anyone who can survive McCamey Manor. $20,000? $20,000. That's insane. Yes. Uh, it says hundreds, maybe thousands of people have tried to make it through to the end of McCamey's survival horror boot camp, boot camp experience that is tailor-made to each visitor's worst Fears. Now, here's what mm. troubles me with this, because you call it McCamey Manor, but this is no haunted house. Right. This is not a haunted house. This is not a uh, hayride through the woods. This is not. Uh, this is very disturbing and troubling. Um, there is a whole. I, I can't recall everything, but if you go on YouTube, look it up. You will find. Uh, 
between YouTube and Google, you'll find everything you could want to know. But there is a whole uh, heck of a lot to even applying to uh, be considered for this. You have to, I mean, it's hours upon hours because he wants to make sure that you are 100% sure of what you're about to get into. Because this is not for the faint of heart by right. any means necessary. I've seen some video of things, um, nothing too appalling because I just don't believe he will show that. Uh, but I'm telling you, it is it is crazy what he's put them to uh, put these people through. Now, Russ McCamey, he has he was 23 years in the Navy. Uh, he he says he claims he never sets out to hurt anyone, uh, but often that they, the people who are going through this, uh, they insist on hurting themselves. According to him, uh, quote, they do it to themselves. I don't do it myself, end quote. Quote, they pull their mm -hmm. own teeth which is very difficult to do. And they pull their own nails and they cut their own hair. I just monitor it. Uh, with what? the use of hypnosis and other types of mind control techniques that we use, we can get them to do some crazy things, but they still have to be willing to do it. They have to, you know. Uh, even though we use hypnosis in uh, different mind control situations, they're still very much aware of what's going on. They're not like completely out to where I can make them jump off a building or something, end quote. Uh, so it's from what I'm looking here in the article, which is uh, by ladbible.com, uh, it it's very disturbing. There's a young lady on here who has a bunch of looks like makeup on her face. Like it just looks like she has just been, it, it's very nasty looking. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has actually uh, pulled out some of her own teeth. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, this is not anything I would sign up for. This no. is, this is not, this is not Halloween. This is not, no. um, you know, I, I can't, $20,000 is not worth it to me. Um, he said. Yeah, dude, you can keep your 20000 To I'm me, it sounds you. like a live action snuff film. Exactly. The That's exactly the way it sounds. Uh, and from what I've seen, it's very, it's very shady. There's a lot of shady stuff that goes on um, it, it, here. He says. He now runs a show called Descent, which is much shorter because the original McCamey Manor was our survival tour uh, was actually 10 hours long. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Who wants to be? I mean, yeah. I have seen they have I have seen video where they actually bury people up to their necks, like bury them what? in the ground up to their necks. You have no use of your arms. Um anything and everything that could possibly happen to you uh i mean it, it yeah leave it up to the imagination and the amount of waivers that you have to sign to say that you take full responsibility of this is just unreal uh but yeah he now runs a show called descent he said it's uh more of a six hour show versus a 10 hour show um 
he said it also has a much higher success rate uh, for the participant to finish. Um, he says, though, Russ says that even if you do make it through, it doesn't really count. He says it's a six hour show and it's more of an experience where people can actually make it through. It's not as rough as some of them are. Uh, they still tap out, but we try to give them something that's a bit easier right now, at least. But you can't really count it, though, because it's not the real show is what he says. So, I'm, I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I don't I don't know how you can fake pulling out your own tooth. But anyway, um, yeah. even though Russ is kind of off. Gonna... Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're all right. I, go ahead. That's kind of what I was wondering about. Like when you said they were supposed to, um, you know, bury them up to their necks and whatever. I guess there was a way for them to bow out and say, uh-uh, I'm crying uncle. I went out of this. And would they immediately stop the so-called attraction, let them out and just say they lost the game? Or did they, could yes. they get out of it immediately? If you look on YouTube, you will actually find, because they give each person a safe word. Uh, okay. Basically, from what I gather is that when the there's a whole interview process, like I mentioned before, you're giving this man a ton of information about personal things, your past, your history, uh, your personal things in your everyday life, so on and so forth. And those who really want to do it, go through with it. And what ends up happening is that if they don't complete it, uh, he actually makes video of people tapping out. Uh, there's usually a safe word that is personalized for that individual. They say that safe word. He usually try attempts a couple of times. He does stop when they say that safe word. He does stop what he's doing, but he makes sure that they understand what's about to happen if they continue on. They will not receive any $20,000. Uh, they'll be laughed at. He makes them feel like an idiot is what he makes <laughs> them feel like, like a complete and total loser. He videotapes the whole thing so that they can, you know, he can brag about it, I guess. Uh, but as from my knowledge, no one has yet been able to uh, make that $20,000. Wow. Uh, and to participate, I don't really see it here, but I think it was like a 25-pound bag of dog food. Hmm. Okay. That's your entry uh, fee. Yeah, that's your entry fee. Uh, okay. And the reason being, he says he donates it to the local shelter. Um, so That just seems out of character, but okay. I completely agree. <laughs> All right. Everybody uh, loves dogs, I guess. But yeah, I just thought, you know, for those, you know, like I said, it's, it's Halloween. It, it, people are going out. They're trick-or-treating. They're going to be going to, maybe they're doing some uh, ghost story or ghost hunting, or maybe they're uh, going to a haunted house, you know, attraction wise, and they're finding, you know, just going out and having a good time. That to me is not something I, I do not want to be a part of. This no. brings no, 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 no. I think he's like me and you talked about earlier. I think he's a little bit sick and twisted in the head. Yeah. And this is his way without actually killing anyone. This is his way of you know, trying to carry out some sick fantasy that he's got or something. I mean, it just, it just, it just, it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm not crazy about very, it. No, 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 no. Very sadistic. Yes. Very much so. Don't like it. Not at yeah. all. And that's not, that's not Halloween fun. That's no. sadism. I mean, I, not to, for me. Ugh. 
No, no not thanks. for me either. No. Which I don't even go to spook houses though. That's still too much for me. Mm. I just. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> I, don't I like enjoy- stuff jumping out at me. Uh, I enjoy them to a, to a degree. Uh, um, I've, I, to my knowledge, I've never been in one that is really that terrifying. Although I'm sure they're out there, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, the I'll say I've only been to one spook house, and this is kind of an embarrassing story. It tells you how much of a chicken I am. But I was in Las Vegas with my mother-in-law, and we went to the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, which is really mm-hmm. cool. If anybody listening ever goes to Las Vegas, I recommend the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum at the Venetian. Anyway, they have an attraction in there. It is, it's a spook house. I don't even remember what it's called, but you go through it. People jump out at you. It's scary, whatever. So I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. And she kept saying, oh, we should go. We should go. Said, I don't want to go. Anyway, she finally talked me into it. So we go in there and the way they kind of have it set up, and of course this was pre-COVID and whatever, you kind of go in a line. Um, so you, you know, there's a person up front and everybody following behind walks behind the person and they have their hand on their shoulder. So I made her go first and I was in the middle. I had my hand on her shoulder and there was a lady behind me. I had my eyes closed the entire time. I didn't see one bit of what was in that spook house. The only reason I know anything that was in there is because I saw that show, that spook house featured on a TV show like a year later. My eyes were closed the entire time. So that's my only experience with spook houses. I don't like them. I don't like them. Um, usually the ones around here are pretty good. Um, you know, they're, they're friendly enough for uh, kids. And, uh, you know, I actually went to one in Atlanta that is supposed to be very big, very uh, award-winning. Now, special effects-wise, you just couldn't beat it. Uh, but right. as far as scare factor goes, I did not find it very terrifying. Um, I do remember that one of the very first rooms we entered, uh, there was an actor who was, he kind of flew almost like a bat suspended on a wire and flew directly oh. at my head to the point where I felt <laughs> wind uh, graze gray, across my head that uh, I kind of hit the dirt real quick. But mm-hmm. other than that, that was it. Uh, but I mean, that one there took probably a good 45 minutes to walk through. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very long, very long. But there was a wow. lot of people in there. Uh, it's very crowded. Uh, it's like I said, it's very well done up. But uh, there, there are some actors uh, hidden throughout. Uh, but there's there wasn't a there wasn't a whole lot of scare scare factor hmm. to it. I enjoyed maybe it. It was like walking through a movie set. Not easily spooked. Really? Maybe I am and don't don't know it. I don't know. Oh. Um. Yeah. Well, cool. I, maybe someday I'll get up the courage to go through another one. It's just now I will go to a supposedly haunted location anytime. If you say, "Oh, this house is haunted. This building's haunted," I'll go anytime. Whatever. If you yeah. say, oh, here's a spook house, someone's going to jump out at you. Nope. Nope. Not for me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I so, got you. Um, the last story I wanted to share mm-hmm. with you um, is it's short. It's a little sweet. It's a little silly. Um, but its origins are actually rooted in one of the darkest days and most tragic occurrences in the history of Texas. Um, this is the story of the haunted Walmart on Galveston Island. <laughs> you heard this one? No. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Um, Galveston, a port city located off the southeast Texas coast of the Gulf of Mexico, was incorporated in 1839 and is about 50 miles, but worlds away from the fourth largest city in the United States and major metropolitan area, Houston. During the 19th century, the port of Galveston was actually one of the largest ports in the United States, and for a short time, Galveston was actually the largest city in the state of Texas. By 1900, Galveston had a population of almost 40,000 people. Weather forecasting was, at this time, primitive at best, so no one could have predicted the devastation that would be heaped on the island when the great Galveston storm made landfall on September 8, 1900. This little coastal town had weathered many storms in the past and come out of them relatively unscathed, but this was different. This was a monster. A Category 4 hurricane, which to this day remains the deadliest natural disaster in U.S. history. Low estimates of the number of casualties are in the 8,000s, but some researchers theorize the estimate should be closer to 12,000 dead. Over 3,000 buildings were destroyed, causing millions of dollars in monetary damages. And it would literally probably take all night to go into everything that happened the day of and in the days following the hurricane. But Mm -hmm. for this story, I want to focus on the particularly heart-wrenching events that occurred at the St. Mary's Sisters of Charity Orphanage. The Mm -hmm. orphanage was built in the late 1800s on beachfront property just west of the city, which seemed ideal at the time because it was away from the dense population of the city center. Um, still on the minds of many people was a huge yellow fever outbreak some years prior that had killed hundreds of Galveston residents. So they thought this is great. We're a little bit outside of the city. Um, you know, they thought this is a good protection against yellow fever and things like that. Um, there were two large two story dormitories, one for girls, one for boys that faced the shoreline. Uh, but these buildings were no match for the great storm with the wind and the rain didn't destroy the rising tides soon did. All of the children, over 90 in all, and 10 sisters congregated in the girls' dormitory building, which was the newest building on the property and thought to most likely be the strongest structurally. During the storm, the sisters had the children sing an old French hymn called Queen of the Waves to calm their nerves. And I'm not going to make you listen to my singing voice, but (laughs) the words of this song um, are Queen of the Waves, look forth across the ocean. From north to south, from east to stormy west, see how the waters with tumultuous motion rise up in foam without a pause or rest. But fear we not, though storm clouds round us gather, thou art our mother, and thy little child is the all-merciful, our loving brother, God of the sea and the tempest wild. Help then, sweet queen, in our exceeding danger. By thy seven griefs and pity, lady, save. Think of the babe that slept within the manger, and help us now, dear lady of the wave. Up to the shrine we look and see the glimmer, thy boat of lamp sheds down on us afar. Light of our eyes, oh let it ne'er grow dimmer, till in the sky we hail the morning star. Then joyful hearts shall kneel round thine altar, and grateful psalms re-echo down the nave. Never our faith in thy sweet power can falter, Mother of God, our Lady of the Wave. Now, every year on the anniversary of the hurricane, the current congregation of St. Mary sings this hymn in honor of those lost, which I thought was kind of neat. Every year on September 8th, they they sing that hymn. Um, a, survive, a surviving boy later said that the children were very frightened and the sisters were very brave. In the midst of the storm, the sisters cut a clothesline rope into sections and they used it to wrap around each child. And then each sister tied herself to several children um, in a futile attempt to save the children, trying to, you know, kind of make a, 
like they tied themselves together, think that maybe, you know, safety in numbers, whatever. Um, and it wasn't long before the foundation of the girls' dormitory gave way and the entire building was destroyed. Of the over 100 souls on site, only three boys survived. They were found over a day later clutching a tree in the water. So, on the 94th anniversary of the Great Galveston Storm, a Texas historical marker was placed at 69th Street and Seawall Boulevard, the site of the former orphanage, which is now a Walmart location. Not Walmart. (laughs) Yeah, Walmart location 504, if you want to know. On Seawall Boulevard. Uh, Since its construction, stories from staff and shoppers have abounded about strange happenings at the Galveston Walmart. Disembodied cries and laughter. Items flying off the shelves with no logical explanation. Children's electronic toys turning on and off by themselves. Inventory mysteriously going missing from the children's toy section. Balls rolling down the aisles by themselves as if being pushed. Helium balloons traveling just feet off the ground through the store as if carried on a string by an invisible child. So who really knows if the Galveston Walmart's truly haunted? But I can definitely tell you that it's one place I'll check out again the next time I'm in the area. Hmm. That is most definitely interesting. Yeah, I can uh, I can see that they how it could be haunted or how a spirit mm-hmm. would uh kind of be trapped there right um but as a child that would be great because you have all these toys to play with yeah and see that's why i thought the story you know it's really sad thinking about what actually happened there but it is a little bit sweet and it's a little silly because you know what better place for the kid to be than in the toy section you know Um, And that's where all of the stuff you read or most of the stuff, it takes place in the children's section, the children's toys, children's clothing, things like that. Um, So it's a cute little story. There is a video on YouTube. um, Mm -hmm. And I feel bad. I cannot remember the name of the poster, but um, they go in and do like a little investigation of the Galveston Walmart. They have their spirit Mm -hmm. box and they have some other stuff. And again, it may all be explainable or it may be, you know, they're doing it. I don't know. Uh, but some creepy little things happen and it's worth a watch. Now, I've been there. I've been to that Galveston Walmart. I didn't know the story behind it before I went. I wish I did. I yeah. yeah, I found out, uh, you know, I knew about the hurricane. I knew about the orphanage. I knew about all that, but I didn't know it was on the site of the Walmart. So definitely the next time I'm on Galveston Island, I'm definitely going to spend a little more time in Walmart. Well, there you go. That is, that is interesting. I enjoyed that story. That was good. Um, but yeah, that, like I said, I can, I can definitely see, you know, it's a, like you said, it's a tragic event, but, um, in a way, a happy ending. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to Galveston, but supposedly it's one of the most haunted cities in Texas. Um, I never gotten to do any of the really cool stuff in Galveston. I always plan mm-hmm. to. It just never pans out. We go there more as a beach trip. Right. But um, I would love to go someday in October around Halloween. They have a ton Ooh. of ghost tours and cemetery tours. And it's a really, really neat town. Like I said, it's completely different from Houston. Um, you know, it's not that far from Houston, but it's a completely different kind of place. Um I love Galveston. It's awesome. And I would really like to see some of the, uh, the more historical stuff there. Right. Um, they have a historic hotel called the hotel Galvez, uh, mm-hmm. which is right off the, the seawall. 
Um, it's, I cannot remember. I don't, it couldn't have predated the hurricane, but it was built, I think, shortly after. Um, it's supposedly very haunted. Um, everywhere in town is supposed to be haunted. So <laughs> I would love right. to go back um, sometime and do all of the spooky stuff that Galveston has to offer. That is awesome. Uh, Galveston sounds a lot like Savannah, Georgia. And uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody on here has heard me talk about Savannah, Georgia. And I, I absolutely love Savannah. It's a gorgeous city. It's very old. And this it's claimed to be one of the most haunted in the nation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely I, I definitely can uh, sense where you're coming from with that. You know, you just can't go wrong. It's like literally stepping back in time. Yeah. And anywhere you turn around. Oh. Haunted. Haunted. Yep, there's, a, Haunted. there's a story. There's a story. Yes. One of the stories that I was going to share today, but I picked one of these other ones, is actually um, a story that takes place in Savannah. So maybe another time I'll... <laughs> well, how about that? I'll go over that one. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Well, good job, Lexi. I'm very impressed with the stories and the what you brought us all today. I, I really enjoyed everything you had and everything mm-hmm. that was laid out on the table. Um very interesting stuff. Ones I have never heard of. And uh, I really, I have to say out of all of them, my favorite was, hmm, I have to say my favorite was the uh, James Cullen story. I really enjoyed that one. Really did. Which one? The James Cullen story, the second story you told? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you really cut out a little bit. I'm one. sorry. Yeah. Um, no, you're good. I like that one. And, um, uh, that one is one, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this. I'll be quick. Um, nope. But I sent that to my cousin. I call her my partner in crime. I sent that to her right after I saw it the first time. She played it for her kids. They're obsessed with it. They watch <laughs> that clip on YouTube all the time. And her little five-year-old, um, I was down there in August visiting them, and we were looking for something to watch on TV. And she says, let's watch Telly Savalas. <laughs> <laughs> so what five-year-old knows who Kelly Savalas is, but that that's probably our favorite ghost story that we've shared. The, the, uh, I'll give you a ride. Wow. That is crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. It's a good one. It is very, I very much enjoyed it. Um, so all those at home, I hope you enjoyed these stories that Lexi brought us today. Um, like I said, once again, they were very well told and they were they were just great stories all the way around. I loved it. Uh, perfect stories to get you in that spooky mood for this season. Just absolutely love this time of year. Um, well, I think we're going to go ahead and end everything in the show on this note. So, Lexi, do you have any parting words for our listeners? I don't. I'm just, so what are we doing next time? Are you bringing me some more stories? Are we Mm. having more of a grab bag type thing? That is a good question. Maybe we will try, if I can figure it out, maybe next time we'll do the reaction video. Um, Now, if you guys have ever heard, you heard me talk about uh, Nuke's Top 5. Nuke's Top 5 is a very popular uh, YouTube channel. uh, And he basically is much like what we've been doing here on the show. It is a grab bag of ghost videos from around the internet, around YouTube. Uh, People send him in their ghost stories and and their uh, just all this evidence of so-called paranormal activity that they've captured on video. 
Uh, some of it's some of it can be mixed into a little bit of audio, but mainly it's video. Uh, you do have some audio in there as well. But um, yeah, I just think it's very compelling evidence. And I would like to share it here on the show with Lexi as she has never watched it. So I kind of want to get a straightforward, honest reaction for her. So what I'm tr- going to try and do is next time we're going to actually do a, uh, like I said, do like a little video type of uh, show where I can actually show her the video and record her reaction. So we will see how that goes. If not, you will see. <laughs> we'll be right back here. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel, uh, telling more <laughs> spooky stories and uh, all that you guys love. So once again, like I said before, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, be sure to look uh down below in the show notes you should find a question and if you feel compelled answer that question or um or that poll and uh that will kind of help guide us in what direction we want to take the show so if you guys would please answer that we'd have a better understanding of what you guys want to hear so without further ado i think we're gonna we're gonna call it done lexi all right Well, thank you for your rapt attention, and we'll see you next time. All right. You guys take care and take care of each other. Stay spooky.